welcome to Tesseract Podcast, where we unlock your power to innovate. Hi, my name is Matt, and I'm going to be your host today. Here at Tesseract Podcast, we give you an inside look as to how innovation operations work here at Headquarters Air Force at the Pentagon. So we're going to give you tools and techniques to make your workplace more efficient and effective. Today, we are talking about OKRs, that's Objectives and Key Results. How many times have you sat there and thought, man, smart goals just aren't working for me. There's got to be a better way to do this. OKR is your direction that you can go in. And this is what Tesseract utilizes to keep us on track and on target to complete our mission. And that is why at Tesseract Podcast, you hear the objective and the key results of each individual podcast. So the objective of today's podcast is for you to understand what OKR is. Those key results are going to look like, well, what's the difference between a SMART goal and an OKR? Also, how can you practically implement OKR in the workplace? And another key result is you're going to learn some resources you can utilize today to get rolling on OKR. This won't be the only episode on OKR. So take this as an initial conversation to give you an idea of how it works and some tools to implement it. Uh, But don't be intimidated at first. Give it a shot and let's go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, Dev, thanks for coming on the show. I just did a Garrett lip smack there, actually. Oh, it's fine. Um, I'll probably do my fair share. Let's start with your background, man. let's, Let's start with your career. And, you know, just, hey, when you join, where you been? From from Florida, Fort Walton, right? Yep. The so, boonies. The boonies. Yeah, the boonies. The beach. Um, the beach meets the boonies. Yeah, the beach meets the boonies. <laughs> well, sure. yeah. Yeah, Florida man. Um, I think Dev has a couple of gators under his belt. Yep, yep. Grew up Florida man. Live Florida man. License plate says Florida man. Um, you know. Bumper sticker, Florida man. Yep. It's Lower a... back tattoo, Florida man. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, I got picked up for an EOD slot. That's explosive ordnance disposal uh, technician. Um, so, yeah, went off to boot camp, did the, the standard boot camp things, then on to uh, Shepherd Air Force Base in Texas for a month of fun in the sun, uh, and then down to Eglin Air Force Base and was lucky enough to make it through that in a, a quick nine months. Um, from there, I hopped over to England and did all my upgrade training to become a team member. Uh, yeah, and I was out there for four years, uh, amazing tour living in Cambridge, England and doing a lot of uh, aircraft crash response and, um, VIP missions, which are very important person missions for the secret service all over Europe and Asia. And then from there hopped over to Charleston air force base, South Carolina and did mostly uh civil war and world war ii munitions um they used to have a huge bomb depot there and that's where they built up a lot of munitions so uh, anytime they do construction in charleston they either find cannonballs um, from the actual battles or some sort of bomb that um, the navy decided to bury instead of destroy so th- that was a good time um and then yeah i got picked up for tesseract and moved here in uh into dc in september uh, living in dc has always been a, a long-term dream of mine so just stoked to be here um and yeah had had fun along the way i love that dig at the navy there 
Yeah. Yeah. Got it. I mean, <laughs> it's a it's a joint school, so you know a lot of if the military folks listening know you typically get a badge related to your job. Um, EOD is the only uh, job badge that is shared by all four branches, right? So we all go to the same school. We all wear the same badge. So got a lot of a lot of brothers and sisters in the different branches, and I, I'd say we. We we dig at each other a lot. I mean, you you've worked in the joint world, so you know. There's there's stereotypes, there's fun, there's there's some shade thrown. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. I am still a crayon eater to some people, <laughs> but um but good stuff, man. Uh Dev, before we really get into the meat of our conversation today, how would you define innovation? Ooh. In less than ten words. Less than ten words. Um this is a tough one for me, right? I'm a talker. So innovation is I think, getting increasingly hard to define uh, in the fact that it's often seen as the tangible. So it's seen as things like technology. It's seen as things like hardware, like software. Um, but I also want to highlight that it, it's, it's hardware, it's software, it's processes. It's, and this is such a cliche thing to say, but um, innovation is a lifestyle. Like it's something you live. Um, if someone has an innovative mindset, they they use that innovative mindset at work, at home, shopping, parenting, right? Everything they do, they're looking, looking at how they can do it differently. With that, I would define innovation as an innate curiosity and commitment to problem solving by thinking outside of the box at every step of the way. And I mean, stepping back and looking at something, this is the way it's always been done. These are the books I've read on the topic. These are the things I can Google and find out. How can I bring my personal experiences and approach this a different way? That's, that's the best, best answer I can give. I know way over 10 words, but when, when you're yeah. looking at it right, it's some of the biggest companies in the world hire people that on paper have no business being there and they hire them for a different point of view they hire them because that's raw innovation that's unpurposeful innovation right like i didn't mean to be innovative um one of the recent stories i read that i absolutely loved and i'm kicking myself because i don't remember the guy's name he is an ex special forces commander in the army and he actually revamped the selection process for the Green Beret selection. So he came in, went to the schoolhouse after commanding Green Berets for years and was like, hey, we should be looking at some intangible results. Like, you know how fast the guy is. You know how far he can ruck with what weight. You know how good he is at all those things. But how do we, how do we rate someone on teamwork? How do we rate someone on their yearning to gain knowledge, to be a better person, things like that? Um, and he actually gathered some some ways to track those things and he actually just retired i think a few years ago and he is now head of player development with the indianapolis colts huh. so that's innovation right like he it for, on paper he has no business working for that for that corporation for that company for the nfl right like he he, he worked in the military but then you you listen to that story told the way i told it and you you think okay like he knows what like he knows what makes people tick yeah and that yeah. is so valuable in so many domains. And for him to, to think to take that to somewhere like professional sports and go to the NFL, 
um, and the Colts are getting increasingly better and better every season. Not a Colts fan myself, but they are because yeah, he's, Colts are. He's he's looking at <laughs> he's looking at players like at the draft, right? Like that these five are the top five draft picks, but really the, only this one guy like I really think has what it takes. And he's looking at things like their ability to stay out of trouble, right? Because it doesn't matter how much money or what draft pick you use on the number one draft pick and how much money you spend if that person doesn't really care about their career and doesn't really care about football and doesn't really want to be successful they could get to that money they could get to that fame let it go to their head and and ruin it all and next thing you know you know they're out of the league for a year or two because they got Mm -hmm. arrested because whatever so he's going as far as looking at things like that to tell success and track those metrics and that's innovation right yeah yeah well i can i can go on about the intangibles of of people (laughs) but in particular the intangibles of of athletes and that is an innovative way of you know taking um taking a perception taking psychology and uh, applying it to the success of an organization and that does not have a single piece of software that doesn't have a single piece of hardware um the only resource that it applies to is people yep so that is uh that is brian decker Brian is Decker. his name. Colonel, I'm assuming. Uh, General. I think he, I think he retired as a lieutenant colonel. So our Army Special Forces, uh, for years, director of talent development in Army Special Forces, um, senior director of talent development, and then vice president of talent. Um, obviously, I think those are those roles are more aligned with the civilian world, so he can make a transition. He did uh, a few years with the Cleveland Browns originally. Oh, they still need some help. And they, <laughs> they changed leadership and decided, and the new leadership decide, decided immediately once the changeover occurred to fire him. Um, and he spent years fielding, uh, you know, interviews, going to different organizations. And um, then he got highlighted in an article of all the things he had done. And I believe what happened, he got interviewed um by a vp of a team and that vp said if i ever run my own team one day i will hire you and uh his response right was a lot of people say that but a few few take you up on it um he got highlighted in an article and then he got offers from nfl nhl nba everybody right um uh and then at the time it just so happened that vp took over for the colts uh, and called him up, and he uh, turned down, uh, I think, a couple more lucrative offers from other organizations uh, because he wanted to work with somebody that saw that vision in him when he was younger and that truly believed in him because he knew he would uh, he would get to do things, you know, in that organization that truly made a difference with somebody that trusted him at the helm. So, obviously, a good call, and that's, that's could talk about that culture for days and how that's beneficial. Yeah, and I, and I'm glad, uh, you know specifically breaking up culture and innovation and you know you can innovate culture right and and i think one of those ways you can start to innovate that culture is uh, with goal setting and with uh, keeping your eye on the ball keeping your your eye on the long game and identifying what those critical objectives are to your success and and guiding yourself along the way with uh you know with some key results you know so um but first let, let's dig into how do we plan goals now how does 
the Air Force, or really not just the Air Force, but organizations across the, you know, across the country and across the world, how do they typically, um, you know, set their goals right now? Yeah, it's tough, right? Um, I think that this yields back to um, my background coming straight into the military after high school, right? I had, I had goals in high school, um, you know, make the soccer team, right? Make the varsity soccer team. That was my goal. Um, what did I do to get there? I played soccer with friends some. Uh, we would set up like little practice sessions, but I, I wouldn't say it's very intentional, right? Um, all the way to, I think when we talk about um, actual goal setting or goal setting metrics or uh, goal setting frameworks, a lot of people think, oh, like workplace, right? Like big companies or you're at a company and they use this goal setting framework or this software. And I think we discount goal setting in our personal lives. Um, so one might be, you know, get your degree or get your, your certification. You have a PMP. Um, I want to get my PMP certification. That's a goal. Well, what are you going to do to get there? Well, I'm going to study. Okay. Like when are you going to study? How are you going to study? Right? Like those things matter at the end of the day, if, if you want to actually reach a goal efficiently and reach it on time, those things matter. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, the PMP stuff. In PMP, they specifically outline SMART goals as the way to set your goals. But continue, sorry. Absolutely. And I think, um, I mean, a lot about project management. I, I am not a PMP myself, so correct me if I'm wrong. But a lot of it is communication up and down, right? So you want to let the people that you're managing know like, Hey, this is, these are our goals. And you want to let the, the organization that you're managing for know like, Hey, I have a plan to reach these goals. Um, and I think smart goals accomplish that level of communication. I think, um, if you really dig down into it, I believe smart goals are a great external goal setting, uh, metric. It, it's good to develop. It's good for yourself to develop a smart goal because you know, what you want and when you want it. And it's good for the people around you because they know uh, what you want and when you want it. Yeah, so um, for those not familiar, SMART goals, uh, it's, it's an acronym. Um, S is for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. Mm, relevant. Oh, relevant, realistic, might be the same right. thing. Yeah, yeah um, so... Um, when it comes to like mapping out smart goals, uh, you know, smart goals said, Hey, you know, it's a good, you know, from a personal standpoint, hey, it's not a bad place to start. You know, yeah. you can start with smart and it gives you a perspective. Um, but what's, you know, how can you innovate that thought process? I mean, you can look at, you can look at them all three side by side, um, which I'll do in a few minutes, but, the main thing is that the smart being, you know, external facing is when, when I think of a smart goal, uh, my smart goal being I am going to read, you know, 52 books this year, one book a week. Um, that was previously one of your goals, which you, you crushed. Uh, but if, if I'm just setting a goal, I'm going to, I'm going to read 52 books this, this week, you know, or this year, sorry. Um, I'm gonna read 52 books this year. And then when you're looking at smart, like if you're going to be specific, measurable and everything, uh, it's going to be, okay, I'm going to read 52 books this year, meaning I need to read one book a week and I am going to do this by dedicating a couple hours a day. 
and that's that's your goal right um i think you can break it down further right maybe what what genre you're going to read why you're going to read that genre it's things that help with motivation that was a really bad explanation so just don't use that um but where yeah so no that, that was good because i think pe- people can people can absolutely relate to that where do you start all right like i'm going to go to the local bookstore or i'm going to go to amazon and i'm going to put x amount of books in my cart i'm going to save x amount of money and dedicate it to my budget like where <clears> like <throat> where is all of that um but that's just kind of a little bit of my perspective as to like what is like what's missing from you know from smart yeah so that that's the difference right and i think big air force uses smart for those who don't know um in our annual evaluations for midterm evaluations you have a, one little line uh think on, think on a word document you have one line um and it says what are your goals for for this evaluation period of a year and, and you get two lines right yeah i think total I, two, it, lines <laughs> to, to, two lines to set your smart goals and i yeah. think there's uh one's a person personal and one is professional you can only limit yourself to one personal and one professional yeah it's insane um so and that's that's really like the the big thing is that's the only time we focus on that i haven't heard many operational units at least not in eod or some of the other career fields that i've worked closely with um walk around and be like hey what are you doing this week how is that smart right the only place we use it is that evaluation so i think that that doesn't help but when it comes to that it's okay i want to read my my personal goal uh for my annual evaluation is read 52 books um as a regular goal as a regular person like i was talking about my life in high school or my personal life what what do you want to do this year man i want to read 52 books like new year's resolutions they're they're all happening right now they're all the rage it's january I want to read 52 books. Oh, that, that's pretty cool. That's a regular goal. Then you get to a smart goal. I, I want to read 52 books, which means I need to read one a week. Um, and that's, you know, and I'm going to complete it by the end of this year. That's one line on my annual evaluation that I'm going to write my smart goal on. And my boss would probably look at that and be like, cool. So, you know, like you want to read 52 books, you might know the genre and, you know, you're going to read one a week and you want to finish this by the end of this evaluation period yep okay awesome um what's that what that's missing is really the the meat and potatoes of how you get there um you can set a smart goal for everything you want to accomplish this year but when it really comes down to it um okrs are king in my mind uh objectives and key results right so you have that objective of reading 52 books uh, or even read more, right? Your objective is typically not a smart goal uh, to keep you at a higher viewpoint. A 30,000 foot view is something commonly said in the Air Force. Um, and so you're going to look at read book, read more books. And then a key result is, you know, read 52 books this year. And then you have your initiatives, which are things you 100% control. And so, so what are you going to do to read 52 books a year? What are you going to do? You need to budget. You need to figure out what books. Um, for those who don't know, I set a goal of reading 52 books this year. Um, that's that's one of my goals. And I immediately set that goal. And I went to my bookshelf and I picked up every single book that I've gotten as a gift in the past six months that I haven't had a chance to read. And I put them in order of which ones I'm going to read in what order. And then I immediately went to Amazon and filled the rest. Like if I if I only had, you know, 32 books. I have 20 more books I need to read. I went and looked. I have a list on my phone of books that I'm interested in. And I added them to my Amazon cart. Um, so they're ready to execute. 
And I know I set that money aside for how much it's going to cost me to do that. Um, so now that I have the money, now that I've set, you know, two hours aside every morning before work to read, now that I know which books I'm going to read in what order and why, uh, I have every step I need to take. And really, the, the big thing is I have no excuse. I've already mapped this stuff out. There are no excuses. There's no, oh, I didn't have money this month. There's no, I don't know what I want to read next. You also have a There's library down here. Yeah, I also have access to um, Matt's local library, <laughs> a.k.a. his living room. Um, <laughs> dude's easily got a thousand books down here, I'm pretty sure. He won't admit it, but th there's a lot. I'm surrounded. You are welcome anytime. So. <laughs> I find myself whispering when I come into this. <laughs> I'm like, can I, can I raise my voice? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are quite a few down here. But, uh, um, but yeah, that, it's all about keeping perspective in the growth of of an idea the the growth from point a to point z in accomplishing your mission and um in understanding what those um those key requirements are uh, along the way and knowing that um you have to be strict on the vision of your objective but flexible on the details of, of getting there absolutely how can we utilize or well yeah first let's talk about okr itself like what what are objectives what are key results specifically and then how can we use that in the operational air force right so uh, okrs or objectives and key results as they're known were actually um you know created or the father of okrs is andy grove and he introduced these in the 80s at intel and it's honestly believed in the business world that OKRs contributed to Intel's success. It, it's you hear a lot in the startup community. Everybody has ideas. Few people have execution. Um, those OKRs really allowed Intel to execute. Um, one of his mentees over that time is John Doerr, who then adopted the OKR framework. He's written a book on it, Measure What Matters, and he all the companies he invests in, he ensures that if he invests in you, he gets time on the company's schedule to brief OKRs and their importance. And he asked those companies to use OKRs. Uh, most notably, he introduced Google to OKRs when they first started. And they're still using them today, as well as Alphabet, the company who owns Google and manages a bunch of other companies actually use OKRs. Um, when I say the company uses OKRs, I mean a entry level programmer at Google sets monthly and quarterly and annual OKRs for himself and has access to the CEO of Alphabet's quarterly OKRs. Um, and that really, really makes a difference in the military, right? Um, well, let's take, let, let's dig into like what, like, so what constitutes an objective? And then how are those key results feeding into that objective? So an, ob an objective, when you look at it right, is it, it's a goal. The big thing is it's not smart. It is not specific. It is not measurable. It's none of those things. So um, if it's not smart, is it dumb? Or like, I, I mean, what is it? It's not dumb, but it gives you the opportunity to look at the big picture. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, I'm going to read 52 books this year, I'm going to say, I'm going to increase my reading this year, or I'm going to increase my knowledge this year. I'm going to gain more knowledge this year than I did the year before. Um, that's not meaning that I'm not going to reach that, right? Um, or... If I reach 52, I'm just going to stop. That allows you to work within the bounds. That if you hit 48 books, you, you've still increased your knowledge that year. You've still done really, really well. 
And if you reach 52 books halfway through the year, you don't just stop, you continue to increase that knowledge. Um, so it allows you to, to really grasp instead of like, oh, I'm just doing this goal to achieve these metrics. I'm doing this goal to better myself, to better the company, you know, to reach this big thing that I'm really working towards. For, for large companies, uh, the big enduring objectives, which we typically call like the CEO's objectives or the C-suite uh, objectives, are things like their, their core tenants, right? Um, Amazon, faster shipping. So your objective is faster shipping. Your, your key results, which are smart that you set under that, will get you to faster shipping. Um, but they're, they're always chasing that, right? Nobody's ever going to want slower shipping in the history of the world. Nobody's like, ah, you know, I, I wish this would arrive in, in a couple of days. Maybe if you're on a trip and you're not going to be home, <laughs> but that's about the only thing I can think of, right? Um, so they're always going to chase faster shipping and there's always going to be new key results. But that objective, it, it's broad, it's wide. It's not, hey, we want to get our shipping down to one day because sooner or later that might not be enough. They want to get their shipping down to one hour. Sooner or later, that might not be enough. <laughs> yep. So that, that's the, the beauty of objectives under the OKR framework is that it's, it gives you that innovative mindset that we talked about. You're thinking broad. You're thinking outside the box. It's not traditional. So I'm going to read 52 books. I'm, I'm coming back to this, but it's beautiful, right? I'm going to read 52 books is a smart objective. And objectives under OKRs are not smart. So you're going to consume more knowledge. That takes you back and that opens your mind to like, oh man, to consume more knowledge, I don't have to read 52 books. I could listen to 52 books. Mm -hmm. I could listen to, you know, 10 books and read 42. I could, you know, go interview somebody or talk to somebody at my favorite company that does the job I want to do one day. And that's gaining knowledge. Like that, it really opens your mind to how you can accomplish things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think of it as a pyramid, right? Um, so I have this objective which rolling with the the current framework we've been using for this entire talk is to gain more knowledge mm -hmm. what key results fall under that because we always learn and be curious absolutely um it, it's imperative especially in this process that when, when you look at those key results okay how am i going to gain more knowledge this year um and typically a, a, a good amount of key results under an objective are three to five and those are smart. Those are metrics. Those are trackable. Um, the beauty in working backwards like this is that my objective is to gain more knowledge. What three to five key results, when I successfully complete all of them, are going to ensure that I've gained more knowledge, right? Like your objective is accomplished when you do these key results. Um, so like you were talking about, right? I'll, I'll break it into three. I want to gain more knowledge. I would like to, you know, read 10 books on artificial intelligence i would like to listen to a uh, hundred hours of podcasts on the history of military strategy and i would like to write down my thoughts every single day so then under under those key results you have you have initiatives, which really that, that gets into like the steps and that's where it gets into true accountability and true actionable items. Those initiatives are things you 100% control. Um, I can say, you know, listen to 100 hours of history podcasts, but 
how am I going to do that? Right? Like, how am I going to get there? What, what steps am I going to take? It's not like I just wake up and automatically have those playing. I don't have to do any work. Right. Um, they, they just appear. So the initiatives under something like that might be like budget for an audible subscription, right. Or budget for a Spotify subscription. Uh, after you do that, identify, if I'm going to listen to a hundred hours of military history, identify 10 channels that I can break up to listen to. And after I identify those 10 channels, um, you know, listen to, um, how much, how much do I need to do a week? Do I need to listen to one podcast every two days? Do I need to, you know, do the math and really break it down for the books and artificial intelligence, you know, identify the books, purchase the books are, are both initiatives, um, and then dedicate the time. So read one hour a day. Don't stop. Don't think you have to stop in yeah. your, like looking at your key results and, and digging into those granular details as to because when you get to that point, you learn like, okay, like what makes, what makes you tick? Like what, what is really going to get the ball rolling on accomplishing this objective? Yep. And what can I continue to do to be successful? And then not only just to be successful, um, what are those granular details that are holding me back? That's the best thing about it. Um, I think the first time we mentioned like the OKRs given to book reading, right, is gain more knowledge, read 52 books this year. And so when you think of it like that, um, if you were to set a smart goal that is, yeah, I want to read 52 books by the end of this year on artificial intelligence. Um, if you begin to fall behind, you're like, oh, man, I'm just not going to meet my goal. Right. And you're some, intimidated. Yeah. yeah. Some people might get intimidated. Some people might give up, which is what, you know, what you're seeing in new, with New Year's resolutions all the time. You hear about the gym goals and things like that. The beauty in OKRs is when you set that objective that is gain more knowledge, you can you can pivot key results at any time. You could have started with the key result. I'm going to gain more knowledge. My only key result is to read 52 books. And then you could lay out, you know purchase one book a week, read one book a week, read one hour or two hours a day um, to reach that goal as your initiatives. Um, and then after the first week, you could be like, oh man, I'm like way behind. I can't do this. And then you can start thinking about, could I introduce another key result? Oh, I can introduce another key result. Listen to half of those books, right? Listen to half of those books, listen to 26 books and read 26 books this year. Add that key result. You're still going to gain knowledge. It's just doing things a different way. So I, I believe it opens your mind to new possibilities. So let's play a game here. I'm going to give you an objective. You are, let's say you are um, Captain Trammell. <laughs> okay. And you are in charge. You're the operations officer at a squadron, in a maintenance squadron. And your objective is, I'm going to invest in my people and grow their skill set. What are your key results? Awesome. So, first of all, and I feel like I've failed to explain this thus far, uh, key results are typically, objectives and key results are typically set for a year and then broken down into quarters. So, if I'm looking to, you know, grow my people over a year my key results are going to be one set 12 education events for my unit this year that's one a month that's pretty doable right 
Um, the next one being, uh, have honestly have each member set OKRs, have them, you know, we, the first month we can use on training, but the, the rest of the year, I would like them to manage their own OKRs. And so that's two key results, right? I said three to five last time. Um, two is fine. Four is fine. Uh, really anything over one, those two, two key results are, or OKRs are, uh, one objective, two key results are a great way to get the ball rolling. And then you, you take that and you divide it down into quarters. So the first quarter, um, if I'm going to give them, you know, 12 education sessions or PME sessions, professional military education, uh, is what we call it. Then the first quarter, I'm going to give them three sessions, right? One, one a month would be the goal. Um, so my, my key results of giving them is giving them three, my objective, empower and educate them. My key result for the quarter is to give them three PME sessions or professional military education sessions. And then I'm gonna break down that key result into initiatives or things that I 100% control um, to get them to that objective. And for me, those things would be, you know, if I have 100 people in my unit, I'm going to poll a hundred people and ask them what they want to learn. Do they want to learn leadership skills? Do they want to learn, like get better at math? Do they want to have someone come in and teach them a little bit about engineering? So they, they have a better idea of like, Oh, when I, when I maintain this aircraft or when I build this part, uh, th this is why it's done this way. This is why this part is typically curved. This is why these are jagged. Um, Am I going to be able to bring people in to teach them that? So really pull them, right? And ask them, hey, what do you, what do you guys want to learn? What's going to bring the most value to you? Um, and then outside of that, another initiative might be I identify three trainers, one for each session, uh, whether that be, you know, partnering with somebody, finding a volunteer, or possibly using funds to receive that training. Um, and, and those are all initiatives in themselves, right? Uh, look for partners. Ask for funding to hold these training sessions. So it's, it's like, it's the difference between saying, I'm going to cross the Atlantic Ocean and booking your tickets, finding the boat you're going to go on, booking your tickets, packing your bag, you know, and packing your food. It, that's what an OKR does. And that, that's the beauty is that I'm going to set those initiatives of getting those people in house, asking the troops what they want to be trained on and, you know, getting them that training, hold those three sessions. And once I hold those three sessions that quarter, I can, I can officially say that I've met my objective of empowering and educating those troops more. Uh, and, and you align those, right? So the annual objective is to, is to empower and educate them and it's to hold 12 sessions. So that you want to make sure that that quarterly OKR is going to help you accomplish that annual OKR. Good stuff. Yeah. And that's like great free in-house training, right? Like you're breaking down those constraints of like, Oh, sorry, guys, we don't have the money for training or and it's just thinking, I think that's what the OKRs again, I'll, I'll harp on this is it really encourages that like, because the objective is not too smart or too focused, um, you're, you're not going to pigeonhole yourself into certain solutions. Looking at, you know, PME is a huge topic. Space Force, speaking of Space Force, is currently developing their PME. We have some some people on the team uh, helping with that, looking at what PME looks like for the newest branch of the military. Um, because it's such a hot topic right now in all the branches in that 
when when i think of pme in the air force you look at like you said there's not enough focus on unit level pme it's usually wing pme and when it comes to wing pme it's things like it's it's smart goal setting right it's what do i want to do okay i want the wing to be better at being airmen okay how do i do that well airmen leaders need to know how to write bullets need to know how to use excel need to x y and z and so those are the classes they host i think an okr framework it you're very if you are a leader using an okr framework you very rarely create that entire thing by yourself and i would say if you do it's almost a disservice to the people under you i'm going to set almost it is okay (laughs) it is a disservice right um you're going to set that objective of educating and empowering your troops and then once you set that objective this is the beauty of it you there's two sides of the line which again are it's a very hot topic are okay how good is a leader that lets the troops decide everything right like can't let them decide everything because you're supposed to be a leader you're supposed to be um you know putting certain things in place and helping them learn helping them become better and just generally leading them um but also how good is a leader that only leads and tells everybody what to do right and doesn't take anybody's opinion uh it's a gradient and so that's where okrs are a beautiful leadership tool in that you're going to set that objective and i could like i said i could uh set two key results and then i'm so i'm looking for one or two more key results i could set the ones i think are important and then you set the people down under you and you say hey this is my objective to empower and educate you guys what key result am i missing here what two key results like what two things am i missing that would make you guys feel empowered um on one end it might be one of my key results might be to teach them about the machinery they don't always use and bring that person in-house um but the troops especially you know looking at the younger generation a lot of these guys are coming out of high school with coding experience which blows my mind and um some of them get that opportunity some don't and so a key result might be you know learn a little bit about coding because they the the guys in my unit might have an idea for an app or might feel like you know that that could help them one day um so while i i am taking some time and dedicating uh them learning machinery they don't get to use often uh, you can see how some of them might be like oh man i gotta learn this tool friday it's such a waste of time we don't even use it that much right that might be a mindset you get um but on the other hand the fault like two fridays later your next pme day um they ask to learn coding and they get some of that time to learn a skill that they think is valuable so everybody wins like I, it's not me telling everybody what to do and it's not them calling the shots but um you're asking a lot of your troops whether or not uh you value it 100 percent. that's not always going to be the case uh, and okrs allows for that level of team collaboration where where every, everybody gets a say and that's so important especially in today's military mm-hmm. i also want to provide some some context here if you're listening and, and you're thinking well this this sounds like whether it's a buzzword or it sounds like another fluffy management tool uh, i just want to validate your feelings here and say i had those same emotions um you know through through my uh last decade in my career i have used smart goals i've used management by objectives and other goal setting tools to help guide teams and and yes I, i've led some successful teams have you used those 
dated tools um, to their maximum capacity. And when I got to when I, when I got the Tesseract and I learned the OKR framework, I was skeptical at first, uh, for sure. I I was like, oh man, this is this is just management by objectives. I mean, they're just in disguise, but it it really is not. It's a OKR is a mindset, and it is it it makes you think deliberately as to what are you really trying to accomplish in the long term. Like, what is the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish in the long term? Not just a a smart goal that shows, you know, a start, uh, you know, some actionable items and then a finish. No, I mean, it takes more than a one-liner to accomplish something that is going to add value to your organization, to your life, um, to your family. Um, and you know, if you're talking about something like whether it's growing your knowledge, or whether it's supporting your team, um, your, the, the teammates around you, the people you have the privilege to serve with, it's going to take more than just one line in an EPR or an OPR to, to indicate that, that growth and development. Um, and, and this is where that mindset shift and that innovative you know, uh, switch you know, turns on as to looking at those details and uh, and understanding where, um, what is going to help you guide your, what's going to guide the team to success, what is going to guide you to success, and then also what is not working, and where do I need to readjust in order to um, either be successful or fail forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where I, I keep I keep struggling a little bit with like the smart stuff, right? Like it's almost it's almost just a compression like it's just too compressed for you to possibly get you know actionable and really like open your mind up i i i love relating it to tunnel vision um to jump out of like you know the book reading and the maintenance like before uh leaving you know the eod operational world uh like our typical flight smart goals were you know, hey, let's we, we want to produce the best EOD text that we can, the best bomb text we can. Um, how do we do that? Well, let's look at our our training list. Um, we can receive, you know, sh advanced shooting techniques, close quarter combat. Um, we can receive advanced electronics training. We can it, homemade explosives training, all those things. And those are very valuable things. Um, but then looking at it through the lens of OKRs, it's you set that that wild open objective that is, what do I want to do? I want to generate the best EOD text. And that, like just that by itself, without having to put the numbers to it, having put like having to put actionable things to it right away, opens your mind to like, okay, well, what makes a good EOD text? Because I'll tell you, it's not the same thing it was five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, and the military being the, the thing that it is, right? The, the leaders right now came up over the past 20 to 30 years. Um, so the things that they view good EOD techs as are not the same as, you know, the majority. So the issue I saw was a, a lot of flights spending uh, a lot of their annual training budget on things like electronics courses, IED courses, um, shooting courses which are, are they're very important skills but to repeatedly spend your annual budget on those things um when you step back from it and realize uh look at the percentage of us that are deploying currently because where the war's at it, it's not very high look at the percentage 
of uh, guys we're promoting and why they're promoting. Look at the good EOD techs, who you view as a good EOD tech. Why are they a good EOD tech, right? Because they're good leaders, because they can critical think, because they can do things like that. Um, you can be the best in electronics and you can be the best when it comes to homemade explosives and things like that. But if, if, that's, if that's a skill you're using uh, 0.5% of the time, does that make you the best EOD tech today? And really, does that make you the best EOD tech in your flight or does that make you the best EOD tech for your squadron or your wing or for the United States Air Force? Exactly. And when and this, this comes from all perspectives. When people say best or er when it comes to like a product or a service or people, typically something else can be better, faster, okay. stronger, smarter, you know, you name it. Anything with an er or that's the quote best, there there can always be someone out there that can do that better than you, right? Oh, absolutely. So, it, you know, like that's not a realistic objective to set. You know, that's not that might not be the best goal to set. Like, I'm going to be the best. Well, someone out there might be doing it better. Um, you know, if, to stay with military examples, the the Marine Corps talks about their two, like their their two objectives, if you will, talking about in the Okara standpoint, to make Marines and to win wars. Yeah. They don't say they want the best war fighters. Yeah. They don't say that they are going to um, be the necessarily they don't say it in uh, overtly in their mission in particular we are going to be the best but it is implied they're going to be the best because of the focus that they put in those particular um, core objectives which is to make marines and to win wars it's very it is broad but think about the key results that fall into that yep. you know we are going to instill a warrior culture how is that built? That is built through 13 weeks of training. Well, what do we have to do within those 13 weeks of training? There are three phases within that, those 13 weeks of training that are going to break someone down, build them up, and then make them a Marine. And then what is the result of that? That is a uh, That inculcates a, a warrior culture and mindset from the very beginning. So how does that contribute to, to winning wars and to, you know, to winning battles? Well, if you have an organization that embodies an entire warrior culture, then you already have a leg up on your enemy because uh, you have a uh, um, your number one resource being your people is you know I mean I could talk about that particular piece all day yeah um. But having that strong of a bond and that type of focus and that type of energy and belief in your own personal success and your, and not just your personal success, but but the team's ultimately the team's success uh, is going to put you in a position to win. You know, nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, and that's what that's how they go into that, with that mindset. But they never overtly say even though hey you talk to any marine they're like oh we're the best but yeah. it is not stated in their objective as an organization that they are the best at anything they are very broad in their perspective of we're gonna invest in people and we're gonna go out there and and beat the enemy absolutely and i think we're seeing a huge shift right in the military nowadays in that 
I like I said, I can't like the leaders of today's military came up over the past 20 to 30 years, which we've seen so many things change since then. Um, but looking at it, you have to understand that when when we in the EOD world say, yeah, we want like the best leaders, the best EOD techs. Right. Um, when you ask a lot of these commanders, like, how do I be successful as a bomb technician? Um, it's like, well, we expect you to lead like we expect you to lead people who are in your job, lead people who are outside of your job. And um, quite frankly, like those skills you're using 0.5% of the time that are valuable uh, don't need to be repeated uh, year after year in our budget spin on when um, we don't spend any money on things like leadership courses or things like, you know, going and get, getting speakers to come in and doing unit PME or even uh, wing PME on like, hey, like here's how to really, really do things like OKRs or here's how to really, really influence people. Uh, and lead people and help people grow and teach you things like that. Let's spend um, it on cry, let, right? Let, yeah, right. <laughs> let's spend it on on the latest gear. Uh, you know, not a not that having the best gear, you know, doesn't give you a leg up. Different which, colors of money. I'll yeah. I'll hop in on that. Right, yeah. like you're you're a little locked in there with different colors of money, but but like really just training on something like like a tracking course. A tracking course is very valuable training I've received. How to track humans and and you know human movement through you know, forest, sand, things like that. Very valuable for our job. So um, you're like Daryl in The Walking Dead? Like, can you, are you that yeah. good at tracking? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, like, the entire jungle, I catch that, like, one leaf that's been bent the wrong way. And I'm yeah. like, he went this way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so once I've, honestly, once I've received that training, like, twice, and knowing the, the cost of that training for, you know, a 25-man unit, um, it's like, I'm, I'm not really getting anything out of the third year, the fourth year, the fifth year, the sixth year that I'm doing it. Um, that's good money that could go towards us being better leaders. And so when we when we step up at the squadron or the wing or we do things uh, outside of the EOD unit and people expect us to be leaders and expect that, um, it's very, very hard mentally um, because whether or not you believe you're a leader, you, you haven't gotten any extra training um, outside of leading people on EOD operations. You have no extra training on leading non-EOD techs uh in a leadership capacity so that's that's tough right um not the easiest thing to to grapple with all the time so that's where i think setting that objective and stepping back and looking what what other ways can i accomplish this where whereas our leaders were able to gain that leadership experience uh through hardships through war through deploying through uh you know mission sets that are very very taxing they're able to gain their leadership skills through all of those experiences, um, we don't have that as much nowadays. So I think we need to be more intentional about goal setting. You have I, the you have the internet. You have the books that we've mentioned so far up to this. You you don't need to spend a single dollar to implement OKRs. You don't need to spend a do single dollar to try OKRs. Um, yeah, you need you need to garner a little bit of your people's time. Uh, and that's it. And really your time, right? You need to be intentional and say, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for my people. Understand it's not going to be easy. John Doerr, being the product of the father of OKRs himself, says that it takes on average, you know, six months to a year to really, really get effective as an organization using OKRs. And I mean, that's Amazon, that's Google, that's Intel, that's Microsoft, all these people understand, hey, we're not going to be as effective as we should be the first nine months to a year of using the system, but it's a proven system. And if we endure 
And if we, we really, really care about our people and our goals and we invest in this for the next year, we'll, we'll come together, we'll come closer, we'll be stronger. Um, like I said, Google, Measure What Matters by John Doerr, great book. Um, we're not affiliated in any way not getting anything from this. Just we have a stock disclaimer. Don't worry about sweet. it, Dev. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Purdue. Um, I'll, I'll call that out all day. P-E-R-D-O-O.com. And Purdue is a paid-for software once you get above a certain number of users, but it's free for you to sign up, and it will like help you build OKRs. It'll tell you if you're going to you know, build an OKR and enter an objective, it tells you like an objective is not smart. These are some examples. If once you put a key result to that objective, it's going to tell you a key result is smart. Try to use a percentage. Try to use, you know, money as a goal. Maybe use a percentage, use a number in here. Um, and it's going to help you track your OKRs and just get in the mindset of, you know, checking in every week, checking in every month, pivoting when you need to, et cetera. Um, so I, I love Purdue. And uh, once you sign up for them, you can actually get like a 30 page PDF on it's just a down and dirty of OKRs, of best practices, of things to do, things not to do, why they work, who uses them. Um, and I've found that one of the best documents I've come across. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the uh, theoretical, conceptual pieces of OKR. And it's an important conversation to have initially when, t when uh, diving into the subject. Uh, the, the tiny technical pieces of it are, are difficult to grasp until you take it take the leap into it you know because because it's tough at first you know thinking like i've used smart goals for my entire career like i've used smart goals since i was you know an a1c or i've used smart goals since i was in junior high or i've i've used smart goals and and now i'm a you know i'm a major i'm, I'm leading a squadron and, and my career has been successful by using smart goals um you know okr is going to change the way that you look at the growth of your organization uh, 100%. And the reason I love teaching OKRs to military personnel is because I know every single person that's in the military has what it takes to implement them, right? I, I do not have personal experience in the civilian world outside of my phenomenal breakfast restaurant job in high school and my mellow mushroom pizza tossing times right <laughs> like that was me so i don't mellow mushroom is underrated oh so good and like yeah. the open kitchen like i was just you know i i strive for the spotlight at all times and being able to just throw dough in the air and have everybody look at you i was i was in heaven yeah. objective um, look cool yeah <laughs> key result <laughs> tosto never drop it yeah. <laughs> right like uh tosto while making eye contact um, yes things like that uh eye yeah, contact so key outside of that like i don't have any civilian experience so i i don't know that it will be easier or harder to implement in the civilian world but i know um like you said you've done smart goals for a number of years you maybe never set intentional goals for a number of years the smart goal is just something you see annually on your performance report um a, a million different scenarios i know i can teach it to military people because could you make a perfect bed when you entered boot camp no could you when you left yes if somebody told you how to take apart your rifle and then put it back together, you're probably a little bit overwhelmed. And that's like, that's how I felt when somebody was like, hey, you're going to be in charge of OKRs for, for us up at half. I was like, oh, damn, uh, that's heavy. Um, I was intimidated. Same thing, you know, um, 
somebody telling me you're going to take this rifle apart and put it back together intimidated um but you know you you take everything you've ever known you put some of your little uh you know flavor into it of world experiences world views life experiences um you you roll up your sleeves you get your hands dirty you take that thing apart and put it together 20 times and now you could you can do it blindfolded you know um military people do that all the time whether it be uh, in boot camp, in tech school, uh, you've made rank. Congratulations, you're in charge of six people. Never done that before. Super intimidating, right? Um, but but we execute. That's what we do. So I, I love teaching OKRs because uh, anybody who says like, oh, I don't know if this will work or this seems like a lot of work. I'm like, look back at your career. Everything you've done is a lot of work. Everything you've done has been has been tough and, and you're here. So uh, it, nothing's nothing's impossible, especially not OKRs. Wonderful. So this won't be the only episode on on OKR. We'll we'll dig into some future episodes as to like the technical and tactical application um, to it. Uh, maybe even do like I, I see us maybe putting out some content as to um, like what an OKR can look like. You know, putting that on our LinkedIn page. The audience to look at those resources that Dev just outlined. Uh, Measure what matters by John Doerr. Uh, phenomenal book, uh, easy read and relatable. Um, also, look at Purdue. Uh, how do you spell it again? P E R D O O, and I believe it's dot com. Um, there's also weekdone.com. There's a million resources out there. Know that as an individual trying to learn these things, um, a lot of them are free at first and limited and end up paid. You absolutely do not need to pay for professional service to get good at OKRs. Um, they definitely make them easier. If you're managing, you know, hundreds of people who are all setting OKRs, it makes it easier. But um, as far as learning and implementing in the workplace, uh, I don't think it's necessary. And if you have any questions, reach out. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, I mean, I every day that I, I teach people OKRs, I tell them, like, I'm geeked out. When, I, when someone tells me you're going to, you know, teach somebody anything, uh, you know, how to toss pizza, how to flip a pancake. Like I get geeked out. I love teaching. It's my favorite way to learn. Um, and it's, it's, you know, an age old form of mentorship. So, uh, yeah, please reach out. Thank you again for listening to Tesseract Podcast. Please follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Also visit us at www.tesseractif.com. Any references to trademarked, copyrighted, or protected products or services such as books, movies, or businesses are used here for the limited purpose of education and professional development of Air Force Airmen. If you have any questions, please contact us at www.tesseractif.com.